Have you blown it in more ways than you care to admit as a parent? Do you wish you could go back and do things differently with your child? Does your relationship with your teen seem to be going from bad to worse and you're afraid there's not a thing you can do about it? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's Q&A episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other super convenient online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Have you ever noticed that when you encounter news stories or even advertisements in our world, you have to give your kids a disclaimer like, well, kids, I know they're saying that all is hopeless, but here's what we believe. Wouldn't it be nice if you could point them to a news source that would actually encourage them to see how God is working in our world today? Well, it is nice because there is such a news source. It's called World Watch. This is an engaging professional news show produced by Christian journalists, and it's designed specifically for kids. In just 10 minutes a day, you and your kids can stay up to date on the current headlines without the hopelessness and hysteria of most other news sources. My favorite part is that every episode ends with this reminder, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. To find out more about World Watch, just go to worldwatch.news slash ginger to access a free episode. Again, that's worldwatch.news slash ginger. Well, hey there, Ginger. I have to tell you that even when I was reading these questions at the top of the show, I just felt myself burdened for parents who are in this kind of relational turmoil with their teenagers. So I'm going to start us off with a message we got from Kristen in Texas. And here's what she writes. How do you retrain yourself in training and parenting when you didn't know better for years and the kids are now teenagers? I listened to your podcast on Teach Them Diligently. And just a side note, Ginger, she's referring to the interview you did with Leslie Nunnery on the topic of parenting lying children. Yeah, we will put a link to that in the show notes in case some of our listeners might like to hear that. Uh, Anyway, Kristen went on to write this. I was convicted of not putting my full trust in God and lying in situations because I was so fearful of the consequences. I no longer want to live that way, and I'm struggling with overwhelm of how to untrain and retrain my children now that they are teens. My youngest is 13, and we are having relationship issues. Can you please help me? Thank you for sharing the truth. Well, Kristen, first, I just want to say how much I admire your humility. Your love for God and your children is so evident in the way you're wanting to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not just honor God in your parenting, but also in your life. I understand how the idea of untraining and retraining your kids, especially now that they're teens, can seem overwhelming. I would imagine that you might be feeling like it's too late to start over and maybe that the damage has already been done. But I want to encourage you that it is never too late. 
Our God is a God of redemption. His mercies are new every morning, and great is His faithfulness. A a new start, it may be overwhelming to you, but it's not to Him. In fact, our Lord delights in those who cry out to Him in repentance and look to Him for change. He welcomes them with open arms. Kristen, you've confessed and written to us that you no longer want to live the way you've been living or parent the way you've been parenting. If you've made these same confessions to Jesus and asked His forgiveness, and I'm assuming you have, then that's repentance. You are forgiven and cleansed because the Word of God says you are. We know this from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, which says, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So Kristen, You don't have to wallow in guilt. You can walk in truth. You can let go of any shame that you might be feeling and embrace His mercy and grace because you are clothed in His righteousness. You are forgiven, cleansed, and redeemed. So rejoice and be glad for this new start that the Lord has given you. It's so evident that you're eager to experience new fruit in your life. And the key to that is going to be found in abiding in Jesus. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's easy to struggle and become overwhelmed when we try to change our own hearts and the way we live, especially when we want to live in accordance with God's commands, because the truth of it is, without the power of Christ in us, we can't. Our hope comes from the Lord. He is our source of strength. The good news is that we don't have to struggle and be overwhelmed. When we trust Him with our burdens, whether our burdens are in regards to changes we need to make in our own lives or strained relationships with our children who perhaps aren't living right, We learn from Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, that when we take those burdens to the Lord, He gives us peace and rest. Those verses say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just love those words from Jesus because they are so different from what the enemy wants us to believe. And I wonder how many people reject Christianity simply because they believe it's too burdensome. Uh, But what they fail to realize is that the actual burden is when we reject what we were designed to do, to worship our Creator. Hmm, That's right. The simple truth is that the more we worship our Creator— the less we stress. Mm -hmm. The more we cast our cares on the one who cares the most, the more we live in his strength instead of our own, and the more we're able to rest in the fact that he is in control. So Kristen, through confession and repentance and abiding in Christ, who is your source of strength, you can rest in the assurance of his promises that he will work in your life and in the lives of your children in accordance with his will. He has begun a good work in you, and he will continue to see it through. The verse that popped into my head as I was praying for you and your family today was Philippians 1 6, which says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Kristen, you can rest in that promise because it's yours. Pray for God's wisdom, and He will lead you in how to make changes in the way you relate to and parent your teenagers. James 1.5 says, 
If you ask him for wisdom, he will give it to you. And keep in mind that there is no three-step plan that guarantees your teenagers will respond well to the change in you and the changes God may lead you to make in your family. But as you commit your ways to the Lord and ask for his guidance, he will make his ways known to you. He will give you strength to make those changes, and he will give you peace even if your teenagers don't respond wisely. As far as how to reset parental authority and your relationship with your teenagers, I don't recommend that you dive into a new law and order with an, all right, kids, there's a new sheriff in town approach. Just as you've humbled yourself before the Lord with confession and repentance, asking for his forgiveness, I encourage you to do the same with your children. As teenagers, they're old enough for you to share the struggles you've written to us about. So just be open and honest with them. Your humility and transparency with your own struggles models for them what the conviction of the Holy Spirit looks like and how to rightly respond to that conviction. Talk to them about how God commands parents to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord and ask them to forgive you for not doing that. Tell them that you're learning new things in God's Word and praying for wisdom for what changes need to be made on your part as well as theirs, and ask them to pray with you about what changes need to be made, changes that can bring unity to your relationship and peace to your home for you and your teenagers, and most of all, changes that will bring glory to God. Respectful communication on both sides is key with teenagers. You might have a set time each week where uh, maybe you come together as a family to discuss necessary boundaries and specific ways to move forward. Ask them to share areas in the relationship where they would like to see improvement and listen to what's on their hearts without interrupting, uh, because that's going to encourage them to do the same. Also, don't expect too much too soon. At your family meetings, maybe commit to working on one specific issue at a time and then discuss how that's going at the next week's meeting before bringing up something new to work on. Okay, Ginger, you said meeting, so I can't not talk about our family meetings and what we do uh, because we like to make everything as nerdy as possible. Anytime we can fit (laughs) in a meeting is great. Uh, But this has worked really well for my family, and we call it our weekly retrospective. Every weekend, we try every weekend to go over what we did the week before and we talk about our plans for the coming week. So I pull out a big whiteboard and divide it into three columns. So <laughs> Of course you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, column one is what went well that week. So we talk about school stuff, personal habits, spiritual matters, anything. And we encourage everyone to praise what others did well that week too, because sometimes we don't always see it in ourselves. Column two is what didn't go well that week. So we encourage our kids to only focus on themselves during this part, since we don't want people piling on, so to speak. But Brian and I will usually give our kids just one or two things that we felt didn't go as well. I think it's really important not to give them five things that didn't go well. So restrain yourself and really triage this part of the feedback. Just one criticism at a time will do, because I mean, truly as people, we can only work on one thing at a time. Uh, Two maximum if you just can't help yourself, but please make sure you really fill up that first column if you're going to add anything to the second one. And make sure you include what you yourself didn't do as well. So we're modeling how to reflect and confess our failings. And then finally, in column three, we talk about what we want to do differently the coming week. Again, everyone is to focus on what they themselves want to change, not what they think everybody else needs to change. And the exception here is if, for example, my kids needed me to do something for them that they can't do for themselves. So just as an example, they could say, 
you know, mom, I'd like for us to leave the house earlier so we can get to baseball practice on time. (laughs) And I could say, you know what, I will work on that. And I'd like for you to make sure you pack your own bag, prepare your snack, your water deal. Okay. Something like that. So once we're all done, I make sure I take a photo of the board before we erase it so we can refer back to that at our next meeting and see what kind of progress we've made. Now I get it. We're dealing with teenagers in this question, and a meeting like this sounds really simple and probably really hokey, but I've been pleasantly surprised by the way my kids have responded to it, by the way my husband and I have responded to it, and I'm talking from the youngest. We started this when my youngest was probably four, and he responded to it really well. So, But when in the course of the week we encounter issues, I'm able to say, hey, remember how you said you wanted to do this differently? this week. How can I help you do that? So there's an accountability on their part, but there's also a willingness on our part to help them succeed rather than merely pointing out constantly when they fail. And that's a big shift in our relationship with them when we take that approach. Um, And two final points. Number one, I know teenagers might roll their eyes at the idea of this, but just let them know this is a project management tool used by companies like Lego, Apple, PlayStation. Okay, so this is kind of a big thing in business, especially technology businesses. And number two, please don't make this a 30-minute long meeting. No more than five to 10 minutes unless they are really into it and want to keep going. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips, Katie, especially when you're wanting to start having family meetings with a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to them having respect for this idea is seeing that you're not asking them to do something that you yourself aren't willing to do. Exactly. And don't be discouraged or give up too soon if they do go into it with eyes rolling. It may take a few meetings and a few weeks of reaping the benefits before they warm up to the idea. And what we did early on when we started this was we did a pizza, popcorn, or no, popcorn and soda party is what we called Mm, it because ours don't often get soda. And so we would have popcorn and soda while we did this meeting and that just made it all the better. It kept it off to a good start. Right. I think they look forward to that. It's a positive environment. It's not like, okay, family meeting. You guys are really (laughs) messing up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's so good, Katie. And, you know, speaking of eye rolling teenagers, just a quick word of testimony, Kristen, because my parents were once in the same boat you're in now where they came to a place of realizing that they needed to repent and change the way God was calling them to live and parent. My parents didn't come to know the Lord until they were in their 40s. So I was not brought up in church or a Christian home. And once my parents realized that they had not been training and instructing me in the ways of the Lord, my daddy was very convicted, like you, Kristen, and he did exactly what I'm encouraging you to do. He came to me in humility and confessed his shortcomings as my dad. He said, little girl, I'm 54 years old and he still calls me that. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He said, I need to ask your forgiveness. I've tried to win your love by giving you everything you've ever wanted, but I've left out the most important thing in our lives, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, I was fine with all that, but then he started talking about some of the changes the Lord was leading him to make in our family, and I wasn't so fine with that. Mm -hmm. So I rebelled, so much so that I left home at the beginning of my senior year of high school. It's common for teenagers to argue and rebel against rules they don't like, especially when those rules are suddenly imposed in the teen years. So I just want to encourage you with two things, Kristen, that my parents did that were incredibly wise because they did not lead to arguments or provoke me to further rebellion. First, they diligently prayed for me. 
the bottom line is that there is nothing we can say or do to change the hearts of our teenagers. Only God can change their hearts, which is why we're called to diligently pray for our children. When teenagers are making bad choices, you know, how often do we think, if I just say this one more time and with just the right words, my kids will respond to Jesus and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If I can just make my teaching clear enough, they'll finally get it and straighten up. When that's our mentality, we need to consider that Jesus was and is the greatest teacher of all time. But there were still those who didn't rightly respond. And in Luke chapter 24, we're told why. That chapter gives the account of what happened after Jesus had risen, when he had appeared to the disciples and was teaching them. And I can assure you that every word that came out of his mouth was wise and powerful. But the disciples didn't rightly respond because they didn't get what Jesus was saying. They probably had that same blank stare we see in our children sometimes. Then Jesus did something that changed the hearts of his disciples. He did something that you and I are not capable of doing. Verse 45 says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Parents, we can and should talk about the truths of God's word day in and day out with our children, but only Jesus, through his power and his spirit, can give them the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the ability to understand the things of God. That's why what we pray is more powerful than what we say. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently. And each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. The second thing my parents did is they took every opportunity to share with me about their personal experiences with Jesus and the difference um, that he was making in their lives. The thing is, you can't argue with personal testimony. When parents come to Jesus later in life, it's such a temptation for them to try and play the Holy Spirit, especially with teenagers. And it's because when parents are experiencing the goodness of God, They want the same for their kids. It's all good intentions, but no amount of good intentions can substitute the work of the Holy Spirit. Teenagers are more likely to be receptive to the things of God, or at the very least, intrigued by the things of God, when parents share about their personal experiences with Jesus and the positive difference He's making in their lives. Whereas teens are more likely to turn up their nose and rebel when parents try to force conviction with rules. Now, I'm not saying we ditch the rules. Healthy boundaries and family rules are necessary and wise, but they have no power to convict. Conviction comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And in my life, the Holy Spirit brought conviction, not through the rules my parents set or through them trying to force me to live how they wanted me to live, but through their personal testimony of who Jesus is, the things that they were learning about Jesus, and through the witness of them living out their own convictions. I listened 
and I watched. And it wasn't an overnight revelation for me. It took a while. But eventually, God used the prayers of my parents and their Christ-centered influence and example to bring me into a personal relationship with Jesus. Ginger, you've said the word abide several times throughout this episode, and it really has made me think about the study I'm doing right now on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and it's Jen Wilkins' study called Abide. And uh, I just really want to recommend that to this listener or anyone who's wanting to get deeper in the Word or maybe a new believer. Uh, that book, as well as her book um, called Women of the Word, those are fantastic resources. So we'll have Heather put a link in the show notes. But I also encourage you listeners to go back and uh, listen to episode eight, where Ginger shares her whole story of rebelling as a teenager and how God used her parents to bring her to Jesus. As a matter of fact, that might be a good episode to listen to with your teenager. Uh, This one is called When Teens Rebel, and we'll also have Heather put a link in the show notes to that. For those of you who are really struggling with a teenager who doesn't even seem interested in God or is resistant to God, I encourage you to not weaponize the Bible by presenting it as a set of rules that need to be followed. Mm. The Word of God is not about what we must do for God, but what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus. When we encourage our children to read and study the Bible, it's not just about how we want them to live, but who we want them to see. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he warns those who only study scripture to learn how to live life, but not how to have life. In John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus said, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you you refuse to come to me and have life. The word of God is about running to Jesus for life. So when we talk about scripture with our kids, whether they're young children or teenagers, we don't want them to just see a God of rules. We want them to see a God of redemption. If we're only presenting scripture to our children as a guidebook for how to live, a set of rules they must not break— it's only going to bring heartache and misery because they'll never measure up. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that we neglect or negate the commands of God that are clearly laid out in the Bible. Children are called to obey God's commands for His glory, and they're good. But the good news of the gospel is that when God's children fall short, He doesn't leave them there to wallow in condemnation. The Bible is so much more than an agonizing reminder of our sin. It's a joyful celebration of our Savior. It's about Jesus' sacrificial love and atonement for sinners. And once a child or teenager is captured by the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit opens their minds to understand the Scriptures, they won't view God's commands as a burden. They'll delight in them for what they are, a lamp for their feet and a light on their path. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Joanna from Colorado, and here's what she says. My six-year-old daughter, Audrey, and I were going on a walk together, and she said, Oh, Mom, I've never been in this Saxo hoop before. I'm so excited. <laughs> it took me a few follow-up questions for clarification of what she was talking about. Cul-de-sac. She's only allowed to go as far as the first cul-de-sac on her bike when she's playing with her neighborhood friends. So she was excited to see the homes in the second one. So now we call cul-de-sacs Saxa-hoops. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> it is. I wonder if that translates internationally. I can't remember when we lived in England if they called them cul-de-sacs. I don't think they did. Uh, what do you think they called them? I don't remember. 
I could Google that, but I'm not Maybe going to. Hoops. I'm not going to Google that <laughs> while our listeners are hanging out here waiting for us. But we'll get back with you on that. Yeah, listeners, <laughs> if you're confused by what a cul-de-sac is, it's just a little circle that you turn around in the car, you know, in their homes surrounding the circle. So anyway, if you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips. That's Q-U-I-P-S to submit those. Okay, Ginger, before you leave us with a final word, I have to tell our listeners a funny story. Uh, In our episode called Lying and Whining, that's episode 110, we went on and on about the great quick tip we received. And it was great. (laughs) It was about using food coloring in the toilet to get the child to go potty, which is brilliant. And, but we acted like we had never heard such a great idea when in fact we had like back in episode 37. So from the exact same person, you guys. And so Ginger, the funny thing is that I even told the exact same story about my youngest son peeing on the leg of the kitchen table and not you nor I ever noticed that we had already told the exact same story and the exact same quick tip. So, um, but I'm sure my son is going to love that I have shared that story about him peeing on the table half a dozen times on our podcast. (laughs) Katie, I actually find it more scary than funny. It reminds me of the saying, we'll be friends until we're old and senile, then we'll be new friends. Exactly. Yes, it's encouraging. (laughs) Yeah. And the worst part is that apparently we're both approaching senile a lot faster than we would like to think. I think so. And Ginger, the saddest part is that I had recorded all of this, as you know, in our spreadsheet, but I didn't notice. You didn't notice. Nobody noticed. Mm -mm. Uh, I'm an organized mess, I think is the best way to describe me. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've proven what professionals we are and given our listeners a glimpse into our senility, can you please leave us all with a final word of encouragement? Sure. I want to encourage our listeners who might be struggling with regret. No matter how many ways you think you've blown it with your kids, no matter how distant your relationship with your teenager has become, and no matter where they are spiritually, it is never too late for God to work. Mm. Be humble, be prayerful, and be expectant. God is faithful, which means He will do what He says He will do. He will continue the good work He has begun in you and carry it on to completion. Thank you so much, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a rating or review. First of all, these are very, very encouraging to us when we read them, but it also helps get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. You can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.